He did some chores, trying to clear his head. Took out the kitchen garbage, made a dent in the pile of nasty dishes in the sink. His hands finally stopped shaking as he hit the go button on the dishwasher. They hadn't been shaking because he was still mad, or frustrated, or whatever he was. They'd been shaking because he had called for his dead son, and he was afraid he was losing his mind. He undressed and turned on the shower. The steaming rivulets on the curtain reminded him of Alex in the bathtub. He turned it back off and put on a bathrobe. The house was empty, heavy with silence. He thought about dinner, but had no appetite. He reached for the remote, but the noise of the TV would have made the silence worse, not better. He knew this because of all the other nights. Finally, he went to his computer downstairs. Stale habit forced him to open Facebook, where he stared blankly at a page full of people who had moved on. He had stopped posting after Alex died. What would he say? Ian Combs identified Alex's dead body today. Gonna miss him. No one had commented on his absence, except for Derek and a couple of friends from raiding. Most of his Facebook friend list consisted of old classmates from high school and college. He had been part of the smart group, the ones with sharp minds and a keen eye to the future, the ones who were supposed to change the world. They were living in Singapore and Germany now, had degrees in astrophysics and philosophy. He was working in tech support. He closed the window and clicked on the folder on his desktop labeled Alex. There were a lot of pictures there, files with names like biggrin.jpg, floppybaby.jpg, or children'smuseum.jpg. But between these, like thistles in a garden, were Word documents and saved HTML pages. Missingchild.doc, policereport.pdf, possible lead.htm. The worst of these was newsarticle.htm. He opened it and saw Alex smiling, his piercing blue eyes dulled by their translation into cyberspace. The caption read, Body in Shakopee is missing Hopkins boy. They'd found him in a ditch just off the road, not far from O'Dowd Lake. He had been shot in the face at point-blank range. At the morgue, Ian had dared to hope it wasn't Alex at first. The body's face was unrecognizable. But Alex had a mole low on his left side, just above his groin, and it had stood out against the pallid flesh of the corpse like an accusation. Ian scrolled down to a grainy photo of a white man with wild gray hair and a clinging scrub of beard. He was wearing a jean jacket. This caption said, Leroy Eston, Combs's alleged kidnapper. Mr. Eston had been discovered a few miles away when his rusting van had sidled casually off the road and into a pine tree. When the cops got there, they found him with his guts spilling between his hands and onto the brake pedal. He died of blood loss before the ambulance showed up. The official report theorized that Mr. Eston was taking Alex down to the lakeshore to kill him, intending to bury the body or hide it in the woods, but that the boy had somehow gotten loose. They had fought. Alex was obviously no match for his captor, but he may have had the advantage of surprise. In the struggle, Mr. Eston's weapon had discharged into his own stomach. Finally, Eston had shot Alex in the face, killing him instantly, and apparently returned to his van.
Ian closed the document. He didn't know why he was reading it. It was stupid. A waste of time. He opened missingchild.doc. The same picture of Alex, this one slightly less dulled. Alex Combs, five, missing in Hopkins. He had been at Rita's house. She was their daycare lady. Ian had gone over there the next day and demanded to know what happened, where Alex was. He had made her show him through the basement and the shed in the backyard. He had refused to leave until she called the police. Alina had apologized for his behavior. In the next file, he saw Alina, Alex, and himself at Lake Superior. Alex had thought it was the ocean. Ian stared at that one for a long time.